This episode is brought to you by the Weather Channel app. Did you know the app can help you forecast more than just the weather? With allergy tracking and fluid mapping. So you know when to stay inside and load up on podcast, As well as air quality and UV indexing. So you know when to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcast. Forecast more of what you love with the Weather Channel app. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Care Talk, where we answer your healthcare and health insurance questions. My name is Laura Packard, and I'm the founder of Healthcare Voices, but I also have personal firsthand experience with the American medical system because a few years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. So I've gone through surprise medical bills, insurance denials, and more, and we're to help you, we're here to help you navigate that process too. So uh, also, our, we have a special guest coming up uh, that's going to be talking about the State of the Union address and what President Biden's healthcare agenda looks like for the future. Our first question is about open enrollment. Uh, open enrollment for health insurance through the Medicare Advantage program runs through March 31st. So what does this mean and what can or should you do if you're on Medicare Advantage? Welcome, Diane Archer from Just Care and Social Security Works. Thanks, Laura. So yes, if you're enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan, you have until the end of March to decide whether you want to stay in that plan or switch to another Medicare Advantage plan or switch out of Medicare Advantage altogether at, to traditional Medicare. So here's what you want to do, unless you've done this already, which is you want to check to see what your total out-of-pocket costs are in your current Medicare Advantage, whether the doctors that you want to see and that you have been seeing are still in your Medicare Advantage plan, because sometimes that can change even from one month to the next. And then you should also check on your out-of-pocket costs and coverage for your prescription drugs. If you feel like you have the best possible deal you could get for Medicare Advantage, you may want to stay. But you should understand that with Medicare Advantage, things are usually pretty great so long as you don't need a lot of care. But when you do need care, you can find many challenges, both administrative and financial. So what often happens is if you have cancer or heart disease or stroke or some other costly and complex illness, you'll face prior authorization requirements, you'll face out-of-pocket costs that can be in the thousands of dollars. You'll face delays and you'll face sometimes inappropriate denials. And there's been a lot of documentation about these issues. And on top of that, uh, restricted networks that can keep you from seeing the doctors that you want to see uh, when they're specialists in your particular um, disease. So that's the risk always with Medicare Advantage, that you don't know whether you're going to be able to get the care that you need when you need it. Um, and that's true in any of the Medicare Advantage plans. If you're in traditional Medicare, there's no insurer coming between you and your treating physician and what you guys think is the best course of treatment for you. But you do need supplemental coverage if you're in traditional Medicare to protect yourself against financial risk, which means that if you don't have supplemental coverage, your out-of-pocket costs are basically limitless, about 20% of whatever Medicare's approved rate is. So if you are switching to traditional Medicare, you want to make sure that you can buy supplemental coverage before you switch because you do need that as your protection. 
If you're staying in Medicare Advantage, you want to, again, make sure that your Medicare Advantage plan is doing the best at giving you access to the doctors you want to see and uh, charging you um, as low a rate as possible for your prescription drugs and your out-of-pocket other out of Thanks. And open enrollment for health insurance through the Affordable Care Act is now over in all the states, but some people can still sign up for health insurance through healthcare.gov this year. Uh, who's eligible and how do they enroll? To answer that, welcome Alika from Health Sherpa. Laura. Yeah, so if you um, are someone who's experienced a qualifying life event, um, you can still enroll in marketplace coverage for plan year 2023. Um, examples of life events that would qualify you include um, losing coverage you have currently through, say, a job or through um, another program, um, getting married, having any other changes in household size, um, having a baby, uh, for example. Um, it's also important to know that there are um, certain groups that can actually enroll year round. Um, for example, if you make less than um, 150% of the federal poverty level. So that's uh, about $20,000 for a single person. Um, you actually can enroll any time of year um, using that special enrollment period. Um, and finally, if you are um, a uh, member of a federally recognized tribe, you can also enroll um, any time of year as well. Um, if none of those scenarios apply to you, and again, I, I'd encourage you to call healthcare.gov or um, a navigator or a local broker to figure out if you qualify, because sometimes there are uh, other reasons you might. Um, but if none of those um, scenarios apply to you, it's always worth looking into seeing if you're eligible for Medicaid, because enrollment in Medicaid, um, which again is based on your monthly income, um, is available year round as well. So that's always worth a shot. Thanks, Alika. And we have a question from a senior on Medicare uh, that uh, uh, looks like, uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, we have a question from Rachel uh, that says that um, they need to pay uh, 400 and some dollars for one person to be covered with health insurance, but their income after taxes each month is uh, about uh, $2,700 supporting a family of four. So after rent, food, and basic bills, they don't even have the money for a single person, but yet Medicaid is saying they don't qualify either. Uh, so they, they can't afford to insure one person through the marketplace, let alone four of us. And it looks like um, their son is autistic and they have have several severe health issues as well. So Alika, do you have some thoughts for Rachel? I do. Um, you know, it sounds like your income might be too high for Medicaid, but you're being told you don't qualify for subsidies on a Affordable Care Act marketplace plan. And there are two sort of main reasons that that might happen. Uh, the first is that you are in a state that did not expand their Medicaid program to everyone who makes less than the minimum to qualify for an Affordable Care Act subsidy. That's something we call the, the Medicaid gap. Um, in those instances, uh, those states generally have an income limit for family Medicaid that is really, really low. So you could be sort of above that limit, but below the minimum you need to make to qualify for federal subsidies. Uh, that said, from what you're saying, um, it really sounds like uh, you actually might be in a different situation where your income is a little bit too high for Medicaid in general, but you're being told you don't qualify for a subsidy on the marketplace. And, and that could be why um, the reason that that could um, happen is 
there, there are a few sort of main reasons. A really common one would be if you're offered coverage through a job, for example. If you're offered coverage for your job that's considered affordable, um, you are not eligible for a subsidy on the marketplace. There are also um, a, a couple of other reasons. One is if you are married, you are required to file a joint tax return to qualify for subsidies. Uh, and then we also see uh, it's common for folks to make errors on their marketplace application that are unfairly taking away the subsidy. Uh, for example, if you're applying through healthcare.gov or a partner um, like, like Health Sherpa, where I work, um, you there's a question on the application that says, do you want to qualify for savings? and Or do you want to check if you qualify for savings? It's really important to make sure you say yes to that or it won't even check if you qualify for a subsidy. So I would really make sure that you're ruling out some of those common issues. You can call healthcare.gov, they're available 24 seven. Um, you can call a partner like HealthSherpa, work with a local navigator or broker um, to just make sure you're not um, running into one of those roadblocks that's sort of unfairly taking away your subsidy. Thanks. Our next question is from Sheridan, who says that uh, their neighbors need help. Both are in their 80s. He just had a hip replacement and his wife has Alzheimer's. Are they eligible for in-house help? Uh, Diane? It's a really good question. And the answer is maybe. Uh, With Medicare, you can sometimes get home health care. And you qualify for home health care if you have difficulty leaving home on your own. And it has to be serious difficulty that leaving home is almost impossible for you to do on your own. Um, And if you need either skilled therapy or skilled nursing services on an intermittent basis, not all the time, on and off. And if you need either of those two services, then Medicare will pay not only for those services at home, but also for a home health aide that can assist you, usually uh, three days a week for up to four hours a day, sometimes more, often less, depends on the home health agency that you use. Uh, But for this service, what I would advise is that you go to your primary care doctor and see if your doctor would reach out if you qualify uh, to a Medicare certified home health agency to see if they would take you as a patient. Um, Another option would be um, to get rehab services or therapy services um, through just directly through Medicare Part B. And Medicare does pay for therapy services at people's homes if you can find a therapist who will come to your or sometimes it's as an outpatient or it's at a what's called a comprehensive outpatient rehabilitation facility. So there are different ways that Medicare will cover physical therapy under Medicare Part B. And that is another way that you may be able to get in-home services. Um, Neither one is a guarantee. Unfortunately, Medicare should do a much better job on that front. The other thing you might do is talk to your local hospital because sometimes hospitals are providing care to people in their homes. Hospitals have moved from keeping people in the hospital, at least some of them have, to moving the hospital, quote unquote, to people's homes. So that is another option for you that I would pursue. Lastly, I'd suggest you contact your local area agency on aging, and you can look that up online. But sometimes the um, your community will offer these services and your local area agency on aging provides free guidance to help you see what services are available. Thanks, Diane. 
And our next question came in via text. Uh, this person wants to know, will Medicaid pay for COVID vaccines after May 11th, which is the end of the public health emergency? So Alica, uh, will this person, uh, will, will Medicaid pay for COVID vaccines? And also, how does uh, insurance through the Affordable Care Act, uh, how is it affected by the end of the health emergency? Great question. Um, and actually, for, for all kinds of insurance coverage, it's it's kind of the same. Um, how this actually works is that COVID vaccine availability and for, for free is, is not actually determined by the public health emergency. It's determined by the federal supply of vaccines. So as long as the, the supply of vaccines that the federal government has purchased is still available, you should be able to continue getting them sort of no matter which provider you go to. That said, at some point that's going to run out. And at that point, regardless of your, you know, what kind of um, insurance you're in, um, insurance should still, most insurance should still cover vaccines as a sort of required benefit. Um, that said, you might not be able to go to any provider. You're going to have to go to someone who's in network with your specific insurance plan. And if you're uninsured, that's when things could get, um, you know, particularly difficult. And Diane, so does that mean if somebody's on Medicare, they should still be able to get COVID vaccines after May with no problem? Good question. And yes, the answer is people with Medicare should have no problem getting vaccines for COVID. And in fact, I was just reading that six in 10 people with Medicare haven't gotten the bivalent vaccine. And the death rate among people with Medicare uh, from COVID is super high. It's like 90% of all deaths um, are for people over 75 with Medicare. So it's really important uh, for folks now and as soon as possible, if not now, to get that vaccine. The thing that will change after the public health emergency ends is um, availability of covered Paxlovid and other COVID treatments. And as Alica said, with Paxlovid, it will be just when the supply of Paxlovid that the government bought runs out, which will be sometime in the summer or early fall. With other treatments like monoclonal antibodies that actually aren't currently treating this COVID, we'll have to wait for Medicare uh, to say what's being covered. But as a general rule, if it's reasonable and necessary care, um, Medicare will pay for it, but there will be out-of-pocket costs that will come with those treatments once the public health emergency is. Thanks, Diane. And now I'm pleased to introduce our special guest for today, Anne from Protect Our Care, who will be talking about the State of the Union and President Biden's healthcare agenda. Welcome, Anne. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Laura. Uh, very excited today to talk about the State of the Union. So these speeches are, it feels like are running longer and longer. So you know, if you missed it, here, here's the little recap of, of what the president said. And, you know, State of the Unions are a time for the president to reflect on the year and, uh, and everything that's happened and then, and then put forward their agenda, his agenda for the upcoming year. So that's what we saw. Um, and it was a big year for healthcare and uh, a very exciting year for healthcare. And, you know, moving forward, it might look a little different. I don't know if we'll uh, take quite the huge leaps forward we did in healthcare as we did in this past year, but uh, there's still a lot to be looking forward to and, and, to, be, and to be fighting for this year. Um, but really, President Biden has shown us what it means to be a healthcare president over these past two years. Um, and 
thankfully he delivered some really big items in the Inflation Reduction Act that will um, that are expanding affordable coverage, lowering prescription drug prices, and strengthening access to ca to care. Um, and these achievements have made a world of a difference for our nation's seniors, for people of color, people with disabilities, rural communities, and countless others. So, um, just some of the things that uh, that that he talks about. I, I would say, you know. A lot of the looking back, you, you may have heard him say this in the speech uh, over and over again. He said, let's finish the job. So he was calling on Congress to finish the job. So definitely a lot of the areas in healthcare, um, he was touting his record, but they were also areas where he wants us to finish the job. Um, he called on Congress to expand those things to, to more people um, or make them permanent. So uh, one, of the, one of the things that... Um, was really important this year that that the president would like us to expand is um, is on, about healthcare premiums. So really exciting news is that a record-setting 16 million people signed up for the for ACA coverage this year, and um, the national uninsured rate is actually at an all-time low. Um, and so that is thanks to. Uh, President Biden and Democrats in Congress in their work to lower a, uh, premiums for ACA coverage by an average of $800 per person per year. Um, so uh, along with this enhanced um, premium subsidies, uh, the president also you know, expanded the Navigator program and increased outreach to make sure that um, people in communities were reached out to and that they were understanding that they could get affordable coverage. So thanks to all of that, um, people got the coverage that they needed. Uh, and they also closed something called the Family Glitch Loophole that um, actually we were just talking about a little bit that blocked many uh, children and spouses from affordable coverage. So um, the president called on Congress to make sure that these savings would be made permanent. So the Inflation Reduction Act um, only extended them for a time, and it's and um, he is calling on Congress to make them permanent so that healthcare can be a right and not a privilege. So that um, that's one thing that we'll be fighting for this year. And then also another thing that the president talks about um, is how. Uh, 60 million Medicare beneficiaries will be protected from skyrocketing drug costs. Um, this was a really exciting year where Democrats took on big pharma and they won, which is a rare occurrence. And thanks to the new prescription drug law, um, Medicare will be able to negotiate drug prices and cap out-of-pocket pharmacy costs at $2,000 per year under um, Medicare Part D, and drug companies will be able to pay rebates to Medicare um, if they hike prices faster than the rate of inflation. Um, and so those are some of the things that, you know, th that uh, will be coming in down the pike. We're already seeing the, um, the inflation, uh, the, um, the inflation provision take place. But really, um, people on Medicare are already seeing the benefits of the, of the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed last year. Uh, seniors across the country um, are able to now uh, have their insulin prices capped at $35 per month if they're, they're on Medicare. So starting this year, Medicare beneficiaries will be able to um, pay no more than $35 per month per insulin subscription um, prescription. 
Um, and another exciting thing that's happening is that uh, there's no cost uh, vaccines through Medicare. So things like shingles, um, which used to cost seniors up to hundreds of dollars, uh, they can now get those really important vaccinations at no cost. So um, those are those are some really exciting things that we're already, that seniors are already seeing the benefit of. Um, and then you know, uh, one million surprise medical bills will be prevented every month. So before President Biden took office, millions of people received surprise bills for out-of-network care, um, costing them hundreds or thousands of dollars. Um, so the administration is protecting millions of consumers from, from surprise medical bills through the implementation of the No Surprises Act, uh, which has already protected 10 million Americans from um, unfair, undeserved, out-of-network charges. Uh, we're also seeing $3,000 in savings on hearing aids over the counting hearing aids uh, hit the shelves following a rule from the Food and Drug Administration. Um, and then finally, one thing that um, the president talked about was that 39 states in the District of Columbia have expanded Medicaid coverage, um, but, uh, and, and many states have it, um, you know, are considering expanding Medicaid. Um, but there are these holdout states who have not, and that has left uh, people in the coverage gap, which was actually discussed previ previously uh, um, uh, by previous speakers. So, you know, he, the president was calling on Congress to finally finish the job on this. Um, and, you know, so we'll be working a lot on that to, to ensure that, you know, if these states who uh, may have governors or state legislatures that are not um, expanding uh, Medicaid coverage to to their uh, residents that, that something's done to provide a fix. Uh, and that's something we were hoping that would be, you know, uh, put into the bill last year. It did not work out. Um, so it's, it's something we need to finish the job on. So we'll be fighting for that. Um, and then finally, I wanna say that you may have seen that the, um, some of the coverage after the State of the Union, there's been a lot of back and forth um, where, because the president you know, highlighted Republican tax on Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Uh, after the State of the Union, he also traveled to Florida to discuss the administration's work to lower and strengthen healthcare for seniors. And at that event, you know, he took some shots at Republicans like Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott for blocking Medicaid expansion in Florida um, and threatening to put Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid on the chopping block every five years, which is Rick Scott's plan. So um, he, you know, there's been a little bit of back and forth there. The Republicans uh, are, are trying to hit back and, and, and say these things aren't true. But, you know, really, we have Republicans on the record about destroying these programs for years and years and years. Um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of information on tape about how they're looking to do these things. So, you know, one, one senator that came out and was quick to, to deny the Republican attacks on these programs was Senator Mike Lee. Then shortly after a video surface of him saying, um, it, it, before he said, it would be my objective to phase out Social Security, to, put, to pull it out by the roots and get rid of it. Medicare and Medicaid are the same sort and need to be pulled out. Um, and then we also saw a double, doubling down from Senator Ron Johnson, uh, who also said it was commitment he called Social Security a Ponzi scheme. So, you know, 
the the recent coverage we have has shown that Republicans have long tried to dismantle these programs. Um, and so we really have to pay attention to this fight. And, you know, they're they're trying to walk it back. But history has shown um, that they ha- it has long been their agenda to cut them. So, um, you know, it's, these are vital programs that help so many people and are just a lifeline. And so that's uh, it's encouraging to see uh, that that President Biden has taken that on. Um, and called them out because, you know, we're in a slightly different uh, position now this year than last year, um, where there's a divided Congress. Uh, so it would be a little bit harder to pass things. But, you know, I think we can also uh, come together and protect some of these programs, finish the job on, on some of these uh, issues, uh, you know, making sure the Medicaid coverage gap is closed, um, strengthening Medicaid for moms and for kids, and, um, you know, especially as the public health emergency is winding down, I think it's really important uh, that that we make sure that people have the coverage that they need um, through the Affordable Care Act, through Medicaid. So a uh, lot to be looking forward to this year. And um, hopefully we can build on the success that uh, that we've seen uh, the, the first two years of the uh, Biden administration. Thank you, Anne. So when uh, President Biden was talking about his health care agenda, he mentioned making uh, the Affordable Care Act health insurance uh, subsidies permanent because right now they expire after 2025 to keep health insurance affordable. He talked about uh, filling the Medicaid gap so that low income working families in states like Florida, Texas, North Carolina, Georgia, Wisconsin can finally get affordable health insurance through Medicaid. And he uh, also uh, talked about uh, insulin prices uh, and lowering those for everyone. Right, Anne? Yes, yes. So right now, um, you know, we were hoping to get into the Inflation Reduction Act that the uh, that lower insulin prices would apply to everyone. Right now, it only applies to people on Medicare. Um, but there were many bills in place, some bipartisan, uh, that were kind of working through the system last year um, that were different ways that, you know, we can make insulin more affordable. Of course, this is a hugely important issue. Um, you know, insulin is like water to people who have diabetes. It's just absolutely vital um, for their health and for their lives. And so it, in you know, as, as, as the president often mentions how, how insulin is, uh, you know, shot up in price over the years. And, uh, and even though the, the formulas haven't really changed, um, so people are just taking advantage of, of people who have diabetes, who need these life-saving drugs. So that is definitely one area that we definitely want to see that it, whether or not it's like a $35 cap, um, like, it, like there is now for, for folks who are on Medicare or some other mechanism to make sure that insulin is affordable for everybody. Um, that, that's definitely something that the president wants to see extended this year and we'll be fighting for. Thank you, Anne. Uh, and thank you, everybody who joined us for Care Talk. Please keep calling and texting in your questions and we'll answer them in future episodes. And also, if you uh, prefer getting your health information through podcast, Care Talk is also available as a podcast released on Tuesdays. So thanks again for joining us. And this is Care Talk.